Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A Wiggins. That other side, we stay winning. Oh man, you know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Yeah. Suits and ties yelling out, pay the guys, man, I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Oh man, oh man, oh man, man, you know I had Welcome back to the Racial Black Podcast. I am your host, Michael Ford, joined this week by no one. That's right. I am here solo doing what we do every week, and that's change the complexion of the comics of the universe, one draft pick at a time via the Racial Draft. Welcome, welcome, listeners. This is your first time listening to our episode. I apologize. But... It's going to be a short one. I'm just going to sort of quickly run through the racial draft business. Uh, Just kind of give you the quick ones over. Um, Give my little congratulations to the top movie of the, in the world right now, which is Transformers Rise of the Beast. But uh, also kudos to very, very close behind them. And that is uh, our friends here at uh, across the Spider-Verse, who I believe have already hit the $300 million mark. So, uh, you know, applause to, to those two franchises. But yeah, I'm just going to dive right in, uh, talk about uh, where we are as far as the different delegations, and then I'm going to run through the sixth round of the racial draft. Uh, yeah, so starting at starting the off, bottom of the top, Start at the bottom. Now we're here. In 10th place is the white delegation. In 9th place, the Polynesian delegation. In 8th place, the Swana Mena delegation. In uh, 7th place, the Latinx delegation. In 6th place, the South Asian delegation. In 5th place, the East Southeast Asian delegation. In 4th place, the multiracial delegation in third place, the black delegation in second place, Jewish delegation, and up at the top, looking down at all you suckers, is the Native American delegation. So uh, yeah, that's that's where we are currently with the standings, but there's more than enough season uh, to keep pushing. Like I said, this is only the sixth round. We've got 12 rounds in our main season draft. And then, of course, we have our 12-round uh, dynasty draft. So uh, 25 weeks of racial draft business, and we are, we've got more than 75% to go. But, you know, we'll talk about the first pick of the sixth round, and that is Ileana Rasputin, a.k.a. Magic, by the Jewish delegation. Obviously, a very powerful character. Obviously, a character that has sort of come into uh, additional prominence over the last uh, couple of years. And, um, you know, we've seen her a little bit in live action in a not so great movie. Um, does remain to be seen whether we'll see her in live action anytime soon again. Um, you know, we've seen her in video games. She's a big part of the Midnight Suns game. 
Um, you know, she has this great look, this sort of anime-inspired look, very popular character, for sure. And in terms of the racial drafting, I mean, you know, she's Russian. Uh, there is a pretty sizable um, Jewish community uh, in Russia. So, you know, it's really not that much of a stretch as far as uh, from the delegation's perspective um, for the Jewish delegation to draft magic. Obviously, she has a brother. Well, sorry, she has two brothers. That would be um, Pietro and Mikhail Rasputin, who have at this point not been drafted. So we will find out whether the Jewish delegation sort of locks down that entire family. But yeah, as of now, um, you know, Ileana Rasputin drafted by the Jewish delegation. Um, I, I don't, like I said, I, I don't have any issues with this pick. Uh, for the most part, I approve of this pick. And uh, suppose it, I mean, I guess that puts me um, not quite in the minority, but right now, that delegation with only, uh, only a few hours to go by the time you listen to this podcast, 66.7, uh, so two-thirds approval rating, uh, 56.6, .6 strongly approved, 11.1, somewhat approved, and 33.3, somewhat disapproved uh, of the current uh, you know, of this, of this draft pick. Um, in terms of the, um, yeah, in terms of the fan cast, um, Isabella Furman, uh, who you might know, I think, from the Orphan movies, um, was the fan cast. Uh, that, that fan cast is sort of sitting at 77.7. So, uh, you know, doing a lot better, which is weird. Often, often the approval for the pick uh, tracks a little higher than the approval for the, for the uh, fan cast, but this is a situation where, where that's not true. But, you know, it does remain to be seen. Like I said, by the time you hear this, uh, you may you may feel differently about about how these things sort of uh, end up. Uh, that brings us to the second pick of the, of the round, and that is uh, the Latinx delegation. Uh, this, is in, this is not the first season that they've made this pick. Uh, and that is uh, Norman Osborn uh, for the Latinx delegation. Um, I obviously, generally speaking, he is coded as white uh, historically, but he does have those waves, which uh, a lot of people have taken to mean that, you know, you don't, he's not generally a white guy with hair like that. So uh, maybe he's got a little something mixed in there. Uh, so to the extent that you know, Norman Osborn could be multiracial or black or, um, you know, in this uh, particular, arguably in this case, um, Afro-Latino, uh, that would be the reason, that would be the reason for the waves. Uh, so, I mean, it's for that reason, at least me uh, particular, I wouldn't say that I uh, have a, a strong uh, leaning towards Latino uh, Norman Osborn. But I did, but I do, I do approve, um, and that puts me in line with the seventy-six, sorry, the seventy-seven percent approval rating for Latino Norman Osborn. Um, I would say strategically, um, there are some characters on the board that I won't really get into here that I think that the Latinx delegation are kind of overlooking, um, and you know I could imagine that strategically that I might come back around on. Um, you know, particularly in terms of um, really honing in on, on Latino identity, sorry, Latinx identity, as it were. 
Um, but like I said before, 77% approval uh, with 46.2 strongly approved, 30.8 somewhat approved, 15.4 somewhat disapproved, and 7.7% race. Moving on, we will take it to the Black delegation. I believe this is the first time the Black delegation has drafted this character. Could be wrong, um, but it definitely feels like this character is having a moment. And um, I'm happy because of that. And that is the Black delegation who has drafted Starfire. Um, we've talked about this before, that I believe that a lot of Starfire's story is actually coded as black. And you know, even though canonically she's kind of like a brownish orange, um, that brownish orange hue uh, is is fully in, in keeping with black coding. Um, you know, then you add in her sort of hair texture that has been historically um, very, very um, full and um, you know, with a different kind of texture, if you know what I mean. So, um, so yeah, for that reason, I think that um, you add in the aspect of her having been a queen, uh, we were, or sorry, princess, right? We were, we were queen, you know, uh, and um, uh, enslaved, you know? So very much fits in with the, with the tropes. Uh, she was uh, royalty, then she was enslaved, then she was sexualized, now, granted, I will say that the, uh, the Teen Titans uh, cartoon for children um, that has persisted for a, a number of years, Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, has made her into a, a character that isn't coded uh, particularly that much as, as Black. Um, and I would say that that's kind of been a confounding factor in terms of this racial drafting. But, you know, if you go through comic lore, if you go through the up, sort of ups and downs and like even how they depicted her family, uh, you know, over, like it, it's very much, if not, if not a black narrative, definitely a, a woman of color narrative. Um, so for that reason, I mean, in a lot of people's headcanon um, over, over a number of years, I would say that Starfire has been uh, accepted uh, into the fold of Black. Now, we'll, I mean, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Titans television series uh, where Anna Diop uh, played Starfire. Um, I, and I like Anna Diop and I like her performance of the role. I do admit that I never felt that she truly captured through her Corey Anders character um, the essence the full essence of the Starfire character. I thought that her character was compelling, but I just didn't see, it didn't feel for me like the same Starfire from the book. And then once you add in the fact that, you know, Anna Diop, you know, she's, she's kind of closer to my generation than, uh, than a teen. You know, she's, uh, I mean, not to not to do that thing, but I think she's closer to 40 than to 20. Um, and you know, I think that canonically, you probably want to place Starfire in her late 20s. Uh, you want to give her the experience of having been a Teen Titan while not uh, taking her too far out of the realm of 
um, the younger talent groups. So, I mean, we haven't gotten a fan cast from the Black delegation, but I would hope that their fan cast uh, takes that in mind, you know, keeps that in mind, um, or takes that to heart, so to speak. Um, so, but anyway, for, for me per personally, uh, I'm a big believer in that. I strongly approve of Black Starfire. And uh, that puts me in line with the people. Because right now, uh, we are looking at 90.3 approval rating for Black Starfire. It's 74.2, strongly approved, 16.1, somewhat approved, 0%, somewhat disapproved, and 9.7%. Which, that is, that is a tough spot to be in, really. That brings us to the next pick, which I suppose, I suppose this pick could be a little controversial. Um, not, not so much for me. I think that there's a, I definitely think there's a case to be made for this pick in terms of the racial drafting of it all. Um, and that would be uh, the Native American delegation drafting Aquaman, uh, Arthur Curry. Now, I would say that Jason Momoa's uh, perception not perception, Jason Momoa's um, portrayal of the character uh, has become fairly accepted. I, obviously, the Arthur Curry of the comics is blonde-haired um, and very much white, um, but because of the Jason Momoa portrayal, because of the success both um, you know, in the realm of pop culture, and in the realm of internationally, um, I think that there's an acceptance for a non-white Aquaman that there wouldn't have been maybe five or six years before. Now, you know, I've, I've said my own, I have my own objections to the idea the Polynesian delegation, to my chagrin, has never legitimately uh, tried to claim Aquaman. Um, Jason Moore, of course, or maybe you don't know this, Jason Moore is, uh, you know, part Polynesian, but he's also part Native American. Um, so I think that a lot of the same um, story beats that are hit with a Polynesian Arthur Curry can also be hit with a Native American Arthur Curry, particularly if you talk about uh, some of the nation slash tribes that are located in that part of America that are. Um, you know, in, in, in sort of, I, I think it's New England, I believe it's Maine, Amnesty Bay, um, where, where um, Arthur Curry was reared, um, in the same way that in the comic, sorry, in the same way that in the movies, uh, his father was Polynesian, uh, he could easily be Native American, and it tracks really across that same story. Uh, there's not, there's really not that much uh, in uh, Aquaman's story that, that, that attaches him to, her, to a culture, um, you know, like I said, beyond his blonde hair. Uh, so for me personally, like I think that there is room for uh, Native American tradition to be infused into the character, sorry, infused into the character, um, even if they, you know, the, the Polynesian aspect that Jason Momoa brought to the character ends up being, um, a, you know, completely abandoned. Um, so for yeah, like I said, for me, for me, I don't have a 
have an issue with Native American Aquaman. Um, the fan cast for the fan cast for this uh, character is uh, Martin Sensamira, who I've seen in some things, but I haven't seen enough to really have a strong opinion one way or the other. And I and I would imagine that that's part of the drag that's happening here uh, in the voting. Uh, I should have mentioned that the uh, fan response for Native American Aquaman were 80% uh, approval, 70% uh, strongly approved, 10% somewhat approved, 15% somewhat disapproved, 5%. Which, but in terms of the fan cast of Martin Sensimir, uh, we are looking right now at 69.3% approval rating uh, for the fan cast. And that is 38.5 strongly approved, 30.8 somewhat approved, 23.1 somewhat disapproved, and 7.7%. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there's more than enough time, uh, listeners, if you feel strongly uh, for this, uh, for this fan cast, to sort of get in there and, uh, and make your voice known, you know, to, to support. Uh, the fan cast and also support the draft pick because you know I think that I think that I definitely think Native American Aquaman can work. Um, obviously, visually, there's the issue of years and years and years of a blonde-haired Aquaman. But once we sort of cross the Rubicon with with Polynesian Aquaman, I think that uh, that Rubicon can go even further with Native American Aquaman and retain a lot of the same story beats. Uh, moving on, that brings us to the multiracial delegation and a character that I believe uh, may have already been successfully racially drafted. But we can talk about that. And that is uh, Black Mary. Um, I don't know how many of you all have seen Birds of Prey, uh, where Black Mary is portrayed by uh, Jeremy Smollett Bell. Um, who is herself multiracial? Um, I think that she, I think she did a really good job of that. I think that in general, while traditionally Black Canary has been depicted as a as a white woman with blonde hair, um, once you incorporate the idea that yes, yeah, of course, hair can be dyed, <laughs> um, uh, also uh, she's a legacy character whose mother could remain white. Um, so, you know, Black Canary could be the daughter of a white woman who is also the Black Canary. Um, I mean, I think that there, obviously, I should, be, should have already mentioned that the Black part of the Black Canary, um, you know, does, is, is evocative of, uh, black, of Blackness, even though that, that isn't a thing in the comics. I mean, excuse me. All that is to say, I don't think that there's anything about her having uh, some kind of Black ethnicity that would completely undercut the character and make the character not work. If anything, you know, the musical aspect of her, the sort of like feisty aspect to her, the strong-willed aspect, these are all things that are traditionally um, kind of associated with uh, Black women. Um, so I think that you know, I think that there are, you can definitely get into the the uh, nuances of how she might be illustrated. 
uh, how dark you want to make her, um, how uh, you know what her features might be like. But in terms, but again, the multiracial delegation uh, had a lot of flexibility in terms of how these characters are depicted. So even if you think that the uh, Jeremy Smollett version of Black Canary may be a little bit too much for your taste, um, you can definitely imagine some some ask some some ways of portraying Black Canary where, you know, she's got a little bit of something uh, in her mixture, so to speak. Um, but so for that reason, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a strong proponent of, uh, of Black Canary's multiracial. Um, and, and yeah, I think that puts me in line with most of the people who are sitting at 84.6 approval rating uh, with all 84.6 strongly approving a multiracial Black Canary. Um, and then 7.7 .7 somewhat disapproving, and then 7.7 .7 just straight race. Uh, in terms of the fan cast, um, you know, I, I do know that Birds of Prey did get some mixed reviews, so I'm not surprised that the fan cast might be getting uh, similar drags, but we are sitting at, as, as we speak, 76.9% approval uh, for the fan cast. Uh, with 69.2 strongly approved, 7.7 .7 somewhat approved, 15.4 somewhat disapproved, and 7.7%. But let's go on. We push ahead. And that brings us to the East Southeast Asian delegation. Uh, this is a pick, takes us all the way back to the first season where we. Uh, you know, talked about the sort of benefits of, of this character being reimagined. Uh, this character is uh, Charles Xavier, Professor X. And um, I think that if you're familiar with the X-Men story, um, it is very much a story of someone who is a little bit adjacent to privilege, um, hoping that he can bridge the gap between a marginalized group and the larger community through um, one might argue kind of a model minority um, ethos. You know, the idea that, you know, we're mutants and I understand that you're scared of the mutants, but it's that, you know, we're showing you that we're, we're, the, we're, we're the good ones. We are, um, you know, some of the good ones. And, and, and for that reason, I think that it does add a layer to Professor X's story uh, for him to not just be a white person. Um, if he is a person of uh, East Asian descent that um, is very familiar with the notion that as a, um, a person of color who is viewed with suspicion by the dominant community, and his coping mechanism for that is trying to show, you know, how special and show how well behaved uh, his group where he can be. You know, I think that that I think that there's a, there's definitely a a powerful storytelling angle in in there being in Professor X being East Asian. Um, so as for me, I strongly approve of that. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sold on the fan cast, if I'm being honest. Um, the fan cast is Ken Watanabe, 
I like Ken Watanabe. Um, but I, my feeling about Ken Watanabe and the characters that he tends to play are, they, they, they're usually a little bit more um, sort of forceful, if that, if that makes sense. Um, I think that to the extent that Professor X, um, you know, his, his approach and his dream uh, with respect to the mutant is kind of informed by the sense of, um, you know, being a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Supplicant, you know? Um, I think that to the extent that there is a sort of supplicancy um, to his, to his, to, to, to his orientation, uh, that's generally not been a big part of Ken Watanabe's characters. Um, not, it's not that I don't think he could, he could play it, but he's not necessarily the first character, first actor that would come to mind in terms of uh, portraying that. So for me, I'm not all the way there um, on the fan path. Not, not quite in the realm of disapproving, but uh, not, not a very strong approve. So um, I should mention that from the, uh, for the, for the pick itself, the approval rating right now is at 81.8 with 54.5 strongly approving and 27.3 somewhat approving and 18.2 somewhat disapproving. Uh, with respect to the fan cast, we are looking at 87.5% approval with 37.5 strongly approved and 50% somewhat approved and 12.5 somewhat disapproved. So, you know, generally speaking, mostly approving, um, which is good because like I said, I think it's a strong pick. Um, not a hundred, like I said, not a hundred percent sold on the fan cast, but in general, the idea of an East Asian Professor X really works for me, um, definitely works for me um, as much if not more than Professor X with the white guy. And uh, you push your head to the Swanamana delegation. This one's a little, this one's a little dicey, I suppose. Um, granted, uh, this is sort of a pickup. Uh, in this current season, the um, South Asian delegation selected Superman, and the Swanamana delegation selected Lex Luthor. So. You know, for that reason, it, it kind of makes sense that the, uh, you know, the, the delegation that drafted Lex Luthor would also draft the characters as equal parts, uh, Superman and Lex Luthor, uh, and kind of lean into the idea that Lex's identity might have a little bit more influence over Connor Kent than, oh, sorry, I should have mentioned the pick, uh, Connor Kent, Superboy, like I said, half Lex, half Superman, um, but in terms of the visual references, I would say that both of those characters are kind of, um, you know, not white. Um, but I do think that um, historically, um, some of the different, particularly uh, Persian uh, and or Lebanese uh, versions of this of, of, sorry, let me take a step back, I apologize. Because um, I do believe that there was a fan pass admitted for Lex, which made an Egyptian. 
So, you know, there are there are lighter skinned Egyptians, but there are also brown skinned Egyptians. But I think that in general, um, Egyptians may be viewed as a little bit closer um, visually and in terms of reception by the dominant culture. You know, don't quote me on that, guys. If, if you, you know, if you feel otherwise, feel free to hit us up at uh, Rachel Jack Pod uh, on 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 uh, sorry Rachel Jack Podcast on Gmail or Rachel Jack Pod on Twitter. Um, if you have strong opinions in terms of um, sort of proximity to privilege, but I, but for, for either of those reasons, I think that you're dealing with uh, a, a character in Connor Kent who could be more easily swayed to the left part of his identity than the uh, club part of his identity, at least early on in this, in this story. Um, so again, uh, so the Suanamana delegation selects the Connor Kent. Uh, right now, it's the approval rating is sitting at 70%, uh, 50% strongly approved, 20% somewhat approved, 20% somewhat disapproved, and 10% approved. Uh, there was a fan cast too. Uh, this this fan cast is pretty interesting because um, this is after Abu Kar Ali was actually cast uh, in a was with the first uh, Arab American three uh, desired American, but definitely of Arab descent uh, cast to play a superhero. Um, but unfortunately, this is a Netflix project called Grendel. Um, but unfortunately, that project was canceled. So. You know, I think there's a certain, uh, a certain, certain degree to which um, him being cast to play kind of a Superman adjacent character um, is is a fitting, uh, fitting use of this actor. And like I said, Abu Kar Ali, um, you know, he's you know he's got a he's got very Superman Superman look to him. I mean, I, I don't think he's he, he's quite as buff as uh, Connor Kent is, but uh, you know, facially, because it works for him. But um. So he's at 75% approval rating uh, with all 75% strongly approved and 12.5 somewhat disapproved and 12.5 strongly disapproved. So. That brings us to the aforementioned South Asian delegation, who's, uh, this, one's, this one is definitely church. Um, she stormed traditionally depicted with blonde hair. Uh, you know, she definitely comes from an era where the Fantastic Four are a very, um, you know, traditional kind of 1960s nuclear family. Um, and to the extent that there may be some um, trepidation with race bending to storm, um, I also think that there's really nothing beyond that that's inherent to our character that makes her not be um, acceptable as a woman of color, uh, particularly for this delegation, this South Asian delegation. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that other than the blondness of it, you know, other than the blondness of it all, I, I think that that uh, Sue Storm can definitely uh, be outside of the realm of of, of the white of the white delegation, and um, yeah, it seems like the people agree. Right now, her approval rating is at ninety two 
0.3%, um, with 69.2 strongly approving, 23.1 somewhat approving, and 7.7 .7 somewhat disapproving. Uh, as far as the fan cast, Simone Ashley, um, I want to say that she's been in Bridgerton. Um, she's also been in, um, is it? Yeah, I forget the name of the other project that she was a part of. Um, yeah, and the people are a rate, like they're, they're all the way into this fan cast. Um, so, yeah, fan cast is at 94.1% with 76.5 strongly approved, 17.6 somewhat approved, and 5.9 somewhat disapproved. So, you know, all systems go as far as the draft pick and the fan cast, the South Asian delegation. So, well done there, well done there for sure. Um, this one, gotta be honest, a little bit more baffling, a little bit more baffling. Um, not in, not in, the, in, in a vacuum, but in the context of other picks. You know, as you know, in the racial draft, uh, you know, the later you go into a draft, the more you have to take into account, um, you know, other aspects. So here we have in the Polynesian delegation, uh, they drafted Rachel, Rachel Summers. Rachel Summers, who, you know, well known as sort of the Astani, the um the how do we explain this? Uh, in a in a dystopic future, not that dystopic future, but another dystopic future. The excellent love of dystopia. Um, she is sort of the mother um figure for a an order of telepaths, um, called the Ascani, who end up raising Cable, who is her brother, kind of, um, <laughs> to be the chosen one. Uh, she is from another alternate universe. She is the daughter of Dean Gray and um, and Scott Summers, uh, Cyclops, and and and, and the uh, Phoenix. Uh, she has wielded the Phoenix Force at some point. Uh, she's gone by the code name Phoenix. This is gone by the code name of Prestige, although I've I think right now she's just kind of Rachel Summers. Um, she's also in uh, part of the LGBTQ community. Uh, she's currently in a relationship with Captain Britain, uh, Elizabeth Braddock. Um, you know, so she's definitely sort of coming to her own as a bigger character in the X-Men mythos over the last couple of years. But um, just for those of you who keep in score, uh, Cyclops was drafted by the white delegation. Jean Grey was drafted by the Jewish delegation, and the Polynesian delegation drafted their daughter. Um, so, you know, obviously there's multiverse shenanigans that could happen that could make her um, Polynesian. But uh, as of yet, as of yet, the Polynesian delegation has not spoken up uh, in terms of uh, how it is that uh, Richard Summers would be Polynesian in the face of those two, um, you know, mother and father. So um, it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard for me to, it's hard for me to prove of that. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit dicey. As far as the fan cast, I'm not familiar with the pastures. Uh, Keisha Castle Hughes, who is Maori, um, yet again, I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm still kind of struggling with, with the pick. And, and the sort of basis for the pick and whether the pick works in the context of everything else. I mean, I know in previous seasons, the Polynesian delegation has drafted 
the summer uh, as Polynesian, but this is not one of those seasons, and therefore it does create for me a little bit of an incongruity, and uh, that incongruity is hard for me to uh, bridge. Uh, so right now, uh, the approval rating is 50-50. Uh, 20% uh, strongly approved, 30% somewhat approved, 40% somewhat disapproved, 10% great. In terms of the fan cast, a little bit better, 66.6%, uh, uh, basically two-thirds, uh, with the 33%, yes, it's a, it's a full split. 33% strongly approved, 33% somewhat approved, and 33% somewhat disapproved, 32.4. But like I said, the split. Uh, so um, if you feel otherwise, if you uh, think that the fan cast works for you, go ahead and cast that vote. You have more than enough time uh, to get that up above 66%. And that brings us to the final pick of the round. By far my least favorite pick of the round, um, you know, which is a shame because, you know, I don't like to be overtly negative, but, you know, we've, we've come a long way with this character. Uh, and that was Ben Grimm, the thing by the white delegation. Now, full disclosure, this is a character that a lot of people would say, isn't he white? You know, I mean, what's the, what's the deal? What's the problem? Um, but in fact, I would say that um, this is a character that has been uh, canonically Jewish since its inception, but it's only recently that they've done a good job of, of really highlighting his Jewish heritage. Um, you know, he was recently married. Of course, he was Yamaka at the wedding. Um, you know, it's, people have been upfront about the fact that Jack Kirby, uh, co-creator, um, put a lot of himself in the character. Um, I know in previous seasons, um, we've talked about this in the last season, you know, Jared talked about the fact that, um, you know, a lot of him, uh, you know, kind of ties into the, the uh, Jewish uh, tradition of the Gollum, you know, so there's a lot there that codes him uh, that could be coding him um, as, a, as a strongly Jewish character. But the white delegation, you know, by the powers invested in them, um, you know, he's just kind of like a regular white guy now. Um, and, you know, it's disappointing, for sure. Um, all of the work that's been done over the years to um, establish Ben Grimm as, as something other than just kind of a white dude um, this would be the undoing of that. Um, and yeah, for, for that reason, that reason is really, it's really hard for me to approve of, of that pick. Um, yeah, I just, I just can't, you know, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of white characters who the white delegation to draft, and, um, you know, they didn't need to erase uh, Jewish heritage from the thing, Ben Grimm, uh, in order to kind of fill out their roster. Um, and, and look, and look, it looks like the people agree with me because as of now, the approval rating is sitting at 36.4%. Uh, 27.6% uh, strongly approved, 
9.1, somewhat approved, 27.3, somewhat disapproved, and 36.4, uh, strongly disapproved of uh, white gun gold. Uh, white, white gun, as it was. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's it. That's the sixth round. That was the, that, that was the note that we ended uh, the sixth round on. Um, you know, stay tuned. Um, you know, as we kick off a whole brand new round of the racial draft, seventh round, uh, the second half, if you will, of the season draft. Now, things are that, you know, I ran down the scores, but there's way more, more than enough time for the, the things to, to shift. Um, there's a lot of cards are still on the board, and there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of games still to be played, so to speak. Um, I, I guess I'll leave it there uh, for the listeners. I'll keep it brisk this week. Um, if you can, you know, want to follow the Racial Draft Podcast, you can follow us on all your podcast platforms, Racial Draft Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube. Uh, yeah, Racial Draft Podcast on YouTube. You can follow, follow us on Twitter at Racial Draft Pod, on Instagram at Racial Draft, on Facebook, uh, Racial Draft. And, um, you know, like I said, you can also email us at Racial Draft Podcast. So uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd also love your review, your hopefully, fingers crossed, five-star review for our podcast. But, you know, if you feel like maybe, you know, we only deserve four and a half, like I'll be disappointed, but I will accept it. Um, and, of course, all your support, all your love is, is valued. Uh, we, we love the listeners. Without you guys, uh, it would feel really, really annoying to just be talking just for our benefit. So keep on letting people know about the podcast. Keep on reaching out. Keep on giving feedback on our various draft picks. Um, oh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention racialdraft.com. That is our hub. That is the website where you can see all the picks. You can see all the posts. You can see all of the fan art. You can see everything racial draft oriented. Uh, keep on going there, you know, a couple times a day, a couple times a week. Why not? You know, pop up our, our traffic numbers there. Do, do that. Bookmark it. Yeah. Racial draft. But not going to keep you any longer. Until next time, all things are possible.